I just, I just feel like, uh, again, it's that ownership of the, the doctor, you know, caring, uh, rather than it being corporate and, and controlled by the bottom line and profitability being the main issue instead of, uh, uh, instead of, uh, you know, what's really best for the patient. Certainly the doctor wants to be profitable. We all do. So we're in business, but, uh, it, it, it's just, there's a different to me feel, uh, to it when it becomes corporate. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I think that's, that's the thing that everybody talks about is just this idea that just to, um, the idea that, uh, all of the private equity groups are going to follow the same trend, you know, it's, and, and I'll tell you so far, the people that I've talked to, they've done that, um, it follows the trend, you know, right. it, it's, it's okay. It feels the same the first year or two. And then you see, I'm seeing more patients and I'm working more hours. Well, and my dad would say, well, the one group, a couple of groups that I know uh, relatively close, right. closely based on conversation I've had with people that have been in those groups. It's all, you know, it's, we can't take vacation during the summer months. Yeah. And you know, now it's, we are working on Saturdays once a month. Hey, whatever. Oh, good. So you should, yeah. practice is totally out. Hey, we already recognize it yeah. uh, in short periods of time. Yeah. So how many people do you think when they think, when you think about private equity or think about how they look at their practices, what would your perspective be on how many people view their practice as part of their retirement income? How many docs do that? I, I, I think it's, I think it is significant and, and even more so in your single doctor all uh, practices, but I think, I think there's a lot of it, unfortunately. Yeah. Hopefully they've invested in property, which, which in, in my mind, and that's a big part of it. Yeah. That's the beauty of being an independent owner is that also that property piece of it, you become a landlord is in essence and a drive income there. That's been beautiful uh, for, for me. Um, and, and hopefully that's part of retirement for, for some people, but then, yeah, I don't, I think a lot do depend on their practice. Yeah. I think that, that, yeah. that is the hard part of, of the conundrum. You know, you have a student that's coming out of school with a quarter million dollars of debt that wants, yes. that wants private optometry. You have a practice owner whose, whose practice is worth, let's say they're generating over a million dollars. So you know, one doctor, $1 million practice. Uh, and how do you meet where you've got this big asset that private equity will pay you, right. you know? And it's a huge number for right now. Indeed. And a doctor that has nothing but debt right. and no way to buy your practice. I mean, there's just this huge unnatural yes. gap. And Glorious. so it, it, in a sense, I mean, the, the goal is, is probably if you really want private practice to be sustainable is to fi- yeah. figure out a way to bring that doctor in, mm-hmm. figure out a way to, to help them with equity, mm-hmm. which means you might, it might not be a good business decision on paper. Right. Do you know what I mean? Right. I mean, right. like, like a business analyst might look at that and say, what are you doing? You're right. giving this person equity or you're, you're allowing them, you know, to come into the practice and they're not going to be able to buy it mm-hmm. for what it's worth. You right. can sell it for this. But I would say that there's ways around that that are probably pretty uh, advantageous to both parties, but both parties, I think have to be willing to say, look, there's going to be times where I'm going to feel like, I don't know if this is fair. Right. And you're going to feel like, I don't know if this is fair, but we're going to go into this in, in a way that we know there's this sort of give and take. And there's sometimes where I'm going to feel, uh, maybe it's not quite uh, equitable and you're going to feel it's not quite equitable, but ultimately it gets us to our goal of the new doctor getting private practice, the old doctor getting right. to perpetuate their practice and also generating revenue from the sale of that revenue. Right. Uh, and, and my view of that time process is probably that 
ultimately they they will end up with more in the end. Right. And if they would have just pulled the trigger now, there's probably more work involved and all that right. kind of stuff. But that, that is not an easy thing. And I'm no expert at that. You know, I'm, I'm not the expert in that stuff. So, but I just think, you know, that's, that's kind of my idealistic version of how things, but you know, it's hard if, if you, it's hard to meet in the middle like that, because especially if, if we don't have any relationship, like you and I don't have a relationship, um, then I'm just some kind of punk, you know, kid coming out of school. He doesn't know anything. Right. And I want all this stuff. I right. think I'm worth all this stuff. And you're like, wait a minute, look at that. Uh, you know, you're and like proven, you're and like established. That's you're right. Like, they'll have the name in the community perhaps. Yes. And to, to, to me, you're just an old guy that, um, that, you know, has all this stuff and you don't know what it's like to have a quarter million dollars at that. Right. And I got to service that debt and et cetera, et cetera. So, so like, if you can't figure out a way to have this kind of comment on, mm -hmm. then it's really hard to, to feel like you're both rooting in the same direction for a greater purpose. Right. Right. I think that older doc may uh, also need to, uh, uh, think about a couple of things, perhaps maybe extending, you know, not, not getting that immediate, you know, big dollar. Maybe saying, okay, I'll take some, you know, five years, 10 years later, uh, maybe a possible solution to that. Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Crystal Podcast on iCode Media. Today I had a great conversation with Dr. Mark Kapperman from Kapperman White McGarvey Eye Care in Chattanooga, Tennessee about their move collectively as a practice to move away from managed vision care and the strategies that they use and the profitability it has had on their practice. It was a great conversation. I really enjoyed it. As always, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast, write a review, share it with your friends, and support those who support us. We've been providing myopia control treatments in our practice for years. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, Cooper Vision has received FDA approval of its innovative MySight One Day contact lens. This will be the cornerstone of a comprehensive myopia management approach to be offered by Cooper Vision. This daily wear, single-use contact lens is the first and only FDA-approved product clinically proven to slow the progression of myopia when initially prescribed for children 8 to 12 years old and when compared to children in the control group wearing a single-vision one-day contact lens. Check out the show notes for all the specific prescribing details and to get more information about this lens and how you can begin to offer it in your practice. And then I just finished reading a book called The Psychology of Money. And so it really interesting too, because it, uh, one of the things is when is it enough? When is enough money? When is it enough? When is it enough? You know, I mean, you, you, is your practice worth, you know, a billion, two million, or, you know, is, is that enough to retire? Or do you need to get that four or five billion? Uh, what was the answer? So, uh, yeah. Uh, it depends. Uh, it, 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 it really depends. I think, I think the thought was that, uh, uh, yeah, you, there's, you may not need as much as you think you do. Yeah. Yeah. I think was the, it was part of the thought, you know, uh, you know, you, uh, it's a concept with the book, you're, you're with, with money, you're buying time and right. freedom to do what do you, it's all about just, just buying that, uh, that freedom to do what you want to do when you want to do it. And uh, I thought it was very good. Yeah. Very good. I think there's a lot to be said for that just in my own life. And COVID has definitely allowed me to clarify this. Right. But, but um, uh, I, I always like to talk about or, or like the concept of FU money. 
mm-hmm. right? Where, yeah. where you can, I mean, like Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan sold his podcast to Spotify right. and he made, he's got a few money and he yeah. had a few money before he did that. What I mean right. by that is he wasn't beholden. He had enough mm-hmm. things going on. He wasn't beholden to like, I can't say this or I can't say that. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes it's a good exercise, I think, for me to start thinking about, well, what would it take? Mm-hmm. All right. If I, if I sold my practice, right. What would it take for me to have the same, like, where am I at in my lifestyle with what I can do with my family and what, what I can provide for with my family, where I live, I, I, we love where we live. Yeah. And then you start thinking, okay, well, what would it take for me to sell my practice and go to work for X company or do whatever right. else? And the number is really high. Yeah. And so what, what that tells me is like the further I go and I even have a conversation with my wife and I think it right. helps me reframe mm-hmm. or, and, and reframe what we're doing and what our purpose is. Right. Is like, look, my purpose is mainly to, to serve God, be a great husband and a great father. Can I do that doing what I'm doing? Right. And, and am I doing it well? And I think, I think I like to think I'm doing it generally pretty well. Yes. And would, would this thing. Would that amount, like what amount of money would allow me to do that any better right. um, with probably some additional restrictions and unknowns and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, every time I go through that exercise, it is a really high number. Yeah, it's a yeah. really, really high number. Well, at your age and with young kids, that could, yeah. it could be much higher than, for instance, my number. That's right. Uh, I, that's I've got, really interesting. I've got three kids and, and, and two are now completely self-deficient off the payroll completely. Uh, the third's, you know, probably not far away, you know, four or five years away, but it's all, uh, yeah, you know, that, that number changes. Yeah. So, so it does, right. It probably goes yeah. up and then goes down. It goes up, right. All right. But I think it's a really good exercise people don't do. Right. You know, and, um, and my primary reason for doing it is a lot of times, like, uh, I have, yeah, I have a lot of irons in the fire, you know, you have a lot. <laughs> so, but, but it actually, yeah. it freedom. I mean, I, I get this and, and also I get to, my mind gets to play with things I really enjoy doing. Yeah. And so I get to focus, like I get to focus on this now and then I get to focus on that now. And I, so I, um, but then I, I try to, uh, I think it helps me at, like doing this one thing helps me doing these other things. Um, but in terms of simplification, it's a good process to go through because, uh, it does clarify that, look, we've, we've, what we've built at all. Um, has, and, and the practice is a big part of that, right. Um, allows me to serve those things that we were trying to serve in my ultimate goal of, of what's most important is exactly. in our lives. Right. Um, so with that, I think it, it, it's kind of interesting to think through how managed vision care mm-hmm. kind of drives some of those value or the things that you might value within your practice and how you handle those things. It might drive your ability to deliver that care and the conversations you have with your patients. So tell me about this idea that you've really implemented in your practice, which is pretty, which is not novel, but it's unusual yes. to walk away from managed vision care plans. So first, um, Cap, tell me, tell, for the listeners, tell us about your practice just in general, where you are, what your thought process is. You probably don't have to mention the specific managed vision care plan, but right. But okay. kind of your philosophy of that, the pitfalls that you see, we'll, we'll start with just kind of where do you practice, describe the practice to us. Okay. We practice in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We have a uh, fairly good sized practice. There are four full-time doctors. Uh, we have uh, nine exam rooms, about 6,400 square feet. And so 
do a really good job. Primary care for all ages. The doctor sort of specializes in, 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 in niches. Uh, we have uh, one doctor that is, is more involved with pediatrics. Um, I'm more involved in geriatrics, do a little bit more of the uh, medical and the glaucoma and things like that. have one uh, doctor that's also uh, very involved in contact lenses, doing some myopian management and uh, scleral lenses. So uh, we, we kind of cover all ages. We like think we uh, are, uh, uh, provide uh, good primary care for all ages uh, within the practice. And uh, certain, I tell you, these vision plans uh, over the years have uh, ha- have been one of those things that uh, as we examine them and we, we put the pencil to the paper as to what kind of discounts uh, that we give them, we call them discount vision plans. And uh, my goodness gracious, I just really feel like a lot of optometrists out there don't realize what they're giving up mm. uh, in terms of profitability and income to their practices. Heal. You know, I'm, I'm a kind of a hawk on, on our value as a profession to patients and, uh, and to a, uh, a hierarchy of medical care. Right. I think we have a huge value. And I think one of the challenges is, is that, you know, we miss our value proposition because we're so excited to be included on a panel. Right. So we can have access to a patient. And in doing that, I think it has kind of pushed patients into this mindset of, I have a vision plan or I have a right. plan. I have a, a plan. You need to be on my plan in order for me to see you. Right. So you were on these, this plan for a long time. What did you do to get people thinking about the fact that they can still see you, even though you're not a provider on this specific plan? What kind of things did you do proactively to kind of right. head that off? First of all, your comment about the value proposition, really, I think when the vision plans force you to see more and more patients and you, you, they give you less and less. And a lot of times you don't even realize it because the less and less is coming from the chargebacks right. uh, from the lab. And they just little tweak here and there, little tweak here and no, here. You didn't read the, you don't update. know it. You do, you, you do not realize it. And, and, uh, it's just coming off straight off your bottom line. And so, uh, and so that that uh, when you see more and more and more patients feel like you have to, your time spent with the patient reduces the quality time, the discussions that you have, uh, uh, you know, trying to provide their best solutions for their eye care. Those things require time and where time is compressed, uh, it, uh, it, it is significant. Uh, it makes a difference. Now, what was the second part? That, well, the second that, part that was, was how do you communicate to your patient right. about Right. Uh, forgive me, but uh, yes. Uh, so, uh, you know, it, it's a one-on-one conversation. It really is. Uh, we tried everything we could with social media. We, we did mail outs, we did all kinds of things, uh, to communicate with the patients. They would still have questions, uh, uh, about, well, you know, I can't come to you. Right. Yeah. And the answer is, no. Oh, of course you could come to us. Uh, so, uh, we have emphasized that, uh, so many eye exams have a medical component to them. That can be done medically and making people aware of that. Well, hey, you have medical insurance that would cover it if you have diabetes, if you have glaucoma, if you have cataracts. There's so many people out there, uh, particularly in my my segment of the practice with with the geriatrics. I mean, my goodness, I mean, well, virtually all of them could be billed medical. So educating uh, that for one thing. The other thing we did is we did change the pricing structure, and uh, eye exam is one hundred and fifty dollars. It includes OptiMap, it includes OPD, topography, all the, with the wavefront scan that we do prior to the exam and 
uh, it's, uh, so it's the complete exams, $150. So it's simple, it's easy. And, uh, you know, most patients that want a really good eye exam and Chris, most patients do want a really good eye exam. Not all of them. Some of them want the real quick in and out. Give me what my insurance covers. I want to get it on with my business. But you know, we want to see the people that want to see us. And since we've dropped all of these, uh, the, these discount vision plans, we've seen that happen. We've seen patients coming in, our, our technicians commented, the quality of our patient is better. Mm. Meaning that the, the experience there, everybody's happier. Uh, there's more time spent in discussions, you know, sales are better. Uh, the numbers are, are phenomenal. We can actually get in those, uh, if you like yeah. a little bit. Yeah, I'd love to, uh, well, I want to highlight one of the, the points that you made, because I've been thinking about this recently in the sense of, you know, right now we are seeing these, the price of a lot of things coming up where, you know, the price of wood, the price of gas, the price right. of milk, it's all, it's all increasing. Right. And that's a, a, lo- a logical increase based on supply and demand issues, right. but, but Think about the cost to do business now in your practice. The only way you can make up the difference like for managed vegan care plans, I get paid exactly the same right now as right. I got paid when I first got out of school. Absolutely. So I have more overhead. I pay my staff more. Their benefits cost more, right. you know, our overhead costs more. And I still have to, I'm still making the exact same. So either I have to sell patients more stuff right. or see more patients. Exactly. And, and it just, it, it, it is this, um, it's this, uh, pull against like, well, what do I do? What's best? What's right. the best thing for the patient? And, and so I see exactly what you're saying. And it's really hard to, to have an, a grasp of those numbers because you're not seeing the numbers go down, but you're one, not seeing the additional changes in chargebacks. So you're losing out on that. Right. And two, you're forgetting the fact that, you know, a constant number over time is actually declining. Right. And if you, if I actually calculated right now, what I get paid for so the energy care plans that I'm on. Uh, compared to the same dollar 13 years ago, I probably would be completely appalled. Absolutely would. And I, I tell you, it, it is, again, I used the word shocking earlier, but, uh, for me, I'm, uh, in my 34th year of practice at, at this point and, and the amount for the exam is the same as it was it's the yeah, same. 30, 40 years, 30 years ago. Like that. Oh, absolutely. When, uh, when you count inflation and, yep. and, uh, and it just cost of doing yeah. business. Is, uh, yeah, it, 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 it's absolutely ridiculous. Somebody's making money and it's not the independent optometrist. Yeah. Uh, and the patient is not coming out uh, yeah. all that well either. Well, right? the patient doesn't understand that, uh, you know, how, uh, how much integration goes on where, you know, the, their plan is pushing them. They don't know, you know, they might be, uh, labeled as a specific type of provider, uh, and. Then they're because of that label, they're pushed to being, uh, going to this specific place. Right. And the, and the plan knows that they go to that specific place. There's a big chance, a big likelihood right. that they will purchase, uh, that they will purchase a thing that that vision plan owns. Right. So then they make again, right. Right. exactly what's commonly called vertical integration, but exactly. my patients aren't aware of that. Right. In fact, what I think would be, if you wanted to stay on a vision plan, what I think would be really effective is to like outline that for the patient. Like, here's what your costs would have been out of pocket. Here's what, uh, you're, you're going to pay. Here's how much goes to your vision plan. Right. You know, and then they real they would realize like, oh man, I, you, you're not making a lot of money out of the transaction. That's exactly right. 
So tell me about your numbers. Very, very interesting too that, uh, uh, you know, well, when we, uh, dropped, we were the largest, one of the larger practices in our town, but when we dropped the plan, it's interesting that even in my mailbox, uh, uh, a few weeks later was a mail out from, uh, uh, one of these vision plans encouraging them to go to a commercial outlet that they had purchased, uh, in, in our area. So, uh, again, how's that helping, uh, independent optometry in any form or fashion? But our numbers are, uh, oh goodness. So what we did is we compared May, June, and July from 2020 to 2021. Uh, we did not uh, include the earlier months in the year because we were comparing to last year's COVID numbers, which were obviously, uh, incorrect and, and uh, skewed. So, uh, when we look at that, I mean, we did, uh, uh, do less exams. Uh, really to the tune of about 200 per month, not quite that, but almost 200 exams less per month. Hmm. Uh, but yet the revenue is, is the same. So uh, not we did not decline. Gross revenue yeah. was very, very close to the same. Uh, our doctor production per hour has increased $126. So let's talk about that number. You were right. a doctor per hour production. That's gross right. collections. Gross collection per hour, per oh, hour so worked before, before you, B- before it was, uh, about $660 per hour. Okay. And, uh, now it's uh, a little bit over $785 yeah. uh, per hour. hour. So, uh, pretty nice increase there. Now the beauty is we've also worked significantly less Yeah. during those three months, year over year. Now, uh, keep in mind again, COVID numbers and things like that last year may still have been skewed a bit. But nevertheless, the doctors have taken, taken off, uh, several, several, uh, days of vacation or, or time off. Actually, one of our, uh, physicians has uh, just come off from maternity leave. So she missed a few days, uh, there, but, uh, anyway, so we, we, we've worked less days. Keep in mind, we've done less exams, but yet our gross income mm-hmm. is, is, is the same. Uh, I, we're, we're finding it to be just phenomenal. We're seeing more new patients, Chris. New patients. Okay, interesting. Able, That's what people don't think would happen. We're seeing more new patients. Yeah. They're able to, they're, they are, there are people in our community that want to come see us. They want to come see you because they know your reputation. They know they're going to get an eye exam. They cannot get in because your slots are being filled by these, you know, these, uh, managed vision care plans. And, uh, I, I think that's occurring just way more than people realize, yeah. but we, we've experienced it. All four doctors have said, wow, man, I've seen a lot more new patients. And, uh, along with that is, is, is uh, we're, we're seeing more medical eye care, uh, just as for full exams, they're able to get in also for, uh, you know, the medical problems. Uh, yeah, I really feel like we weren't getting some of the red eyes and some of the emergency care patients in, uh, just because the schedule's full. And as much as I hate to think that was, you know, was not happening, I, th- I think after we have, uh, uh, dropped these plans, we're seeing more of it. So it must've been that they were just unable to get in. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, again, freed up the schedule, our, our team, oh my goodness, so much less stress. Our opticians, it is so easy now for them to place orders right. and they don't have to worry about the, the add-ons, whether they're coding everything right with, the. Uh, what, whatever it is, what type of progressive and things like that. It's, it's so much easier in there. Our insurance clerk. Oh, her time has been significantly freed up. It's just so much easier. She is filing medical claims for us and still fairly busy with that. She certainly still has a job, but, uh, it, uh, she's, she's much happier. So stress on the team has been just all around 
uh, much better. We're working smarter and, uh, and, and, and not harder. Uh, and it's, uh, you know, I, I'm just, I'm almost giddy when I, yeah. when I yeah. look at the numbers and, and it's still early. Uh, now the I, question I, I asked you last night, there's a couple of questions that you right. and I talked about before that I think is important to hit on first. Can you do this as a brand new cold start practice? Absolutely not. Absolutely. Do not. I do not think so. And, and, and I, and I do want to be clear about that. Um, that, that this is perhaps not for everybody. I th- see, I think there are a whole lot of doctors that should be thinking this way yeah. and should be dropping, but a new start, you have to have bodies in the chair. You've got to have, have volume and, and, and these do, these plans can, can help you with that to agree, but uh, to a degree, but I do think also that as, as, as the pra- practice begins to grow, you are constantly looking at numbers and you're, you're going to drop that, that worst plan first. And then as you grow a little bit more, you're going to drop that second plan. And then, then hopefully you reach that point where, you know, again, I feel like I've, uh, crested the hill. So crested the mountain, so to speak, in, in, uh, in having, uh, our, our practice drop all of them. Uh, do you think that, so. is there a strategy with, so are you resolved that you're not going to be able to bring in a new associate? Because you may not have new, enough new patients to fill them up, or are you worried about the the younger associate? Yeah, uh, the, we, yeah, we we're in a itching location or itching position, I should say. Um, uh, we're 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 out of room, really. Um, mm-hmm. And so, in terms of adding another associate at that location, um, and, and that's that plays in part of it. You know, there's not just a whole lot of room to do that now. My hope is, though, it, if if we did reach the point where we could do that. Uh, that again, as we become more and more established in our community, we're already established, but again, more and more established as the place to go to get a really good eye exam, a complete comprehensive eye exam for $150 that, that the patients are still going to be there. I believe, uh, it's like field of dreams. I believe that you build it and they will come. Yeah. And, uh, I think that applies to, to eye care. So one more thing, if I were going to, uh, kind of move it on one last note. So somebody that's considering this. Uh, if, if they were considering this, what kind of puts you over the edge? Was there one thing that said, look, this is why I have to do it now. Uh, this, you and I, we actually talked beginning of COVID about this and you said the same thing that, uh, not about this specifically, but you said, we're out of room, right? We're out of room to do these other things. Right. And I think you were sort of toying with the idea then maybe, right. um, but there was something that pushed you over the edge. I, I right. suspect. So what was it? Yeah, towards the end of 2020, uh, you know, some of the plans came out with some of their 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 new uh, pricing structures, uh, not only for chargebacks and materials they they provide, but uh, what uh, what uh, vendors we could and could not use, and you know, it, it's, it seems like they're just uh, telling us as independents more and more uh, what we are to do to benefit them, and of course, as an independent. Um, we, we certainly value that freedom to decide what we want to do. And, uh, so I think that did push us over the edge where well, we realized again, looking at the numbers that, okay, 2021, we're going to make even less yet less on these, these vision care plans. Uh, it just, you can't, you know, year after year after year, continue to make less and less and less as, as we've discussed. I mean, it just doesn't work in any other business. Yeah. We are a business. Yeah. Yeah, fortunately, we have to we have to acknowledge that, right? Did, so we're at at the Vision Source Exchange right now. So, did, was there any components that you felt it like was really helpful with perspective or other programs that Vision Source had that was it what allowed you to know this was going to be okay? 
you know, Eslor really did step up for us uh, and, 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 and really kind of helped us uh, with some things. Uh, you know, here again now, okay, well, our lab bill has increased, right? Right. But my goodness, our vision source rebates mm-hmm. have increased significantly because we're, you know, we're, we're again, we're, it, it, it's, it, you know, are we paying a little bit more in lab fees? Perhaps, perhaps, but again, our profitability is more. So we're very happy to do that. If, if you're paying more in lab bills because they're not being offset by the not being offset. But if not, they're all going to a managed vision care plan right. that's covering some of those lab bills. But you're saying that you're actually getting more credit because you're, so it's being reflected in your rebate. Rebate checks are, are, are much nicer. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're, we're paying more. We're writing a check for a greater number. But uh, you're also, but we're also, you're out, also electing more. We're also getting big, bigger rebates and profitability is, is definitely greater. Well, so Cap, Mark Kaplan. Thanks so much for being on today. It was a great conversation. We love to keep this up. Um, thanks for doing it. You bet, Chris. Thanks for the opportunity. I'm so excited. I just know that there are colleagues out there that should should uh, just just have the courage to take this step. It would be so much better for them. And I and again, it's just uh, uh, it's just. It, it, you know, just do it, right? Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Sometimes it does come down to that, you know, right. like you can kind of hem and haul about a decision a lot. And it, it's just sometimes like, look, I've thought about all the aspects, the positives and negatives. I still don't know exactly which way I'm going to, which way is best, but I have thought about them all and I'm going to choose this way. And if it doesn't work out, well, I, I can go the other way. You know, I can use exactly. change and leave me ball. I've got to add this. Uh, what a, one of the young nurses seats. Okay. There's one, two, three, four doctors, right? So our third doctor, uh, Dr. Garvey was, was particularly concerned about it. And he was thinking, okay, this is going to hit me real hard. But just in the, the seven months since we've dropped the plans, he's had two record months of production. So again, you can do it. Yeah. You can do it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks. Yeah.